The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest, Reverend Richard Dingus, is a congregational minister in the United Church of Christ who has studied near-death experiences for more than 30 years. During that time, he has served seven churches and currently is a volunteer minister at the Fellowship of the Inner Light in Virginia Beach. For the past 15 years, he has worked as well as a hospice chaplain with Heartland Hospice. Dick has incorporated what he's learned about NDEs into his theology and into his practice. Dick, welcome to NDE Radio. Glad to be with you. I'm glad to have you here. You know, Dick, it's a little like meeting myself in a parallel universe. (laughs) When I introduced you, since we're both ordained congregational ministers, each of us with a 15-year chaplaincy practice, and, of course, we share this fascination with near-death experiences as well and, and what they tell us about the other side. So, given the power of these NDE stories, I guess my first question is, why aren't there more pastors and chaplains like us? I think everybody's stuck in their their own uh, groove. They developed a pattern, and they're sticking with it, and it's hard to break out of the pattern. Yes. Congregation, people in the church pews don't want to change. Uh, ministers fear uh creating uh, turmoil in the church, keep peace if they can. Denominational leaders uh, aren't going to rock the boat. They want to maintain their congregations. It goes all the way back to uh, colleges and universities. They they teach what has been taught for generations since the Reformation. And mm. they're not allow they're not inclined to change. We're sort of stuck. Yeah. Hopefully, things that we, you and I do, will influence enough people that there will be a change. What I think is, um, we have a, a generation of young people who are unsatisfied with things the way they are. Yesterday, it dawned on me: if a new version of a cell phone comes out, they want to get that new version. Mm. So this lends credence to my belief that. In the future, young people and the new generation is going to want something new in the way of spirituality. And when they do, their death experience will be right there. Wow. Well, you said also in in your talk um, that the NDE is God's plan for Earth. Uh, that wave will carry us there. The wave of the NDE is as powerful as Pentecost. It will be bigger than Christianity because it will drive a spirituality that will encompass all the world's religions, and NDE is the common denominator for all religions, which I truly believe as well. And yet we see all of these religions at each other's throats. I mean, right now the Methodists are splitting apart, and and the Sunnis and the Shiites continue to kill each other, and Jew against Catholic, and all of that stuff is really horrible. Yes, more of the same, always. But when we come to a deeper understanding that we're all related and we're all part of one, the oneness of God, we all re- when we come to realize the truths that we can gain from near-death experience, then all that will go away. 
We may maintain our traditions. We may still hear, hearken to be Methodists or Congregationalists or Baptists or Catholics or Buddhists or Hindus or Shinto, but at the root, we'll come to a deeper understanding that these are just our own historical backgrounds, but they don't apply today, except that's what we're used to. And we'll see the deeper truths underneath those rituals, those old beliefs that separate us. Do you think that, uh, I mean, the power of, of an NDE story is certainly remarkable, but uh, it's almost as if uh, experiencing something spiritually transforming in our lives is, is necessary to wake people up. It's like uh, as, as Pentecost touched certain people with flames of fire, uh, the, uh, the personal mystical experience can do that to people, but it, it doesn't happen to enough people. Well, it happens to lots of people, 700 a day in this country alone, but um, what's it going to take? How many people have to be touched before this this Pentecost effect takes takes off? It's hard to say. You've heard about the hundredth monkey, but hmm. I'm not sure that applies to this. I'm sure, I'm confident, though, that a change is going to take place. Uh, we have uh, words from Jesus that it's going to happen. Uh, in the talk that I gave on Saturday to the Virginia Beach Ions, uh, we reviewed a, a dialogue between Jesus and Howard Storm. And Jesus assured Howard that it's going to happen. Mm. That was, uh, We have an interview uh, that I did with him in our archives. Uh, it's an amazing story about how he was being led away by uh, fallen human souls. How, how do we, uh, since you mentioned that, how do we uh, account for fallen human souls in a world of God's love? Well, God gives us all free will, and we choose the path that we're going to take. I like the uh, verse, verses from John chapter 3. Some people love the light, and and they wanted their deeds to be known, and they were moving toward the light. But other people wanted their deeds to be secret because they ran from the light. So which direction are we going to choose in life? If we go toward the light, our lives will be enriched with the light and the love. And if we go away from the light, we're going to go into a dark place. And that's the choice. Is that a self-inflicted dark place, or is it just uh, God ignoring the the people that uh, I think God gives didn't... us free free will. Okay, so so it's another act of free will to not go into the light when we die. Right. Mm. Some yeah, people I hang around that. the earth plane. Yes, I I consider the ghost ghostly world to be a kind of purgatory and ghosts uh, addicted to one thing or another that keep them from moving on. Um, how was your talk received at uh, on Saturday. Very well. Uh, better than I'd hoped. Uh, I think we had a full house. I had to bring in some more chairs. I didn't expect that there would be such a good attendance. I had um, planned for uh, three um, events that would be memorable. The first was I brought in the surfboard because the, the theme was that we're riding the wave of near-death experience energy. And so a surfboard was appropriate. And people will remember that. The second thing was I had a 
friend, uh, Bob Titcomb, portrayed Jesus in the dialogue between Howard Storm and Jesus. Bob came dressed as Jesus with a staff, sandals, robe. It was really neat. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I, wondered, thing, I, I, read the, I read the exchange, and, and I was wondering how that was enacted. Uh, now, now I have a clearer picture. Yeah. And the third thing is I, I read a letter from a woman who responded to my request for persons to tell me if they'd had a near-death experience. And this letter is so old, it was printed, I printed it, and sent it to her for correction. She had told me her near-death experience over the telephone, and I wrote it all out and sent it to her for correction. And I read the letter that she, that letter, which she returned to me. And it was printed on the old type of printer paper that was connected one sheet to another. It has about 15 sheets. And so as I read it, it went down over the lectern. And I think wow. that was memorable for people. I don't think they've seen that in a long, long time. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we had a good time. Bad memories. <laughs> we had a good time presenting it. People responded well. And we're going to try to get it onto a, a video state where we can uh, put it on YouTube. But we haven't been able to do that yet. Well, terrific. Um, the uh, You asked in that... Uh, in that talk as well, what does the future look like? And um, I was wondering how positive you are that that we can change the world spiritually before we end the world environmentally. I have because no idea. I, I feel very positive about uh, the the changes, the influence that near death experience and experiencers will have. And people such as yourself and myself, I never had a near-death experience. I know that you did. I'm very positive about that influence. I don't know how that will affect uh, environmental preservation. And I'm not too worried about it because I think it, it can be recovered. Yeah. You you uh, emailed me that uh, one of the big questions that came up is why why aren't churches embracing the NDE, even if it's just within their own denomination, you know, uh, as opposed to merging church with church, or uh, you know, why? Why? How did you answer them? Initially, I thought it was because the the, the standard answer is that the church hierarchy has wanted to maintain control over the people, and that includes control of their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Some of the near death experience beliefs are freeing, and the throw off the control of the church. But as I mentioned earlier, and when we began our conversation, I think that the, the problem is systemic, all the way from universities down to the people in the pews. We're all stuck and resistant. People haven't awakened to accept that there is other authority about life beyond, about God, and about our relationship with God than the Bible. And they're stuck in the Bible. So I don't know what's going to happen to help them get unstuck. I think it may take a new new generation of people. The old generation just may never change. There's there's such a uh, superficially there's such a contradiction between the old and new testaments, and a lot of the more fundamental churches love to go back to the old testament, and uh, that that is not talking about a, a god of love so much as as a a god of, of one particular group. You, you, um, 
uh, in your talk, you mentioned five essential awarenesses, and I thought maybe we could go through those because I thought those were, that was very important. The first one was God is love. What, what did you have to say about that? Hmm. Well, we have the, the statement from John the Apostle in uh, the first epistle that God is love. It's not developed. We have pictures in the Bible of God's unconditional love. One that I love that I like to refer to is uh, uh, Noah and the rainbow. God promised he wouldn't destroy humankind again by the flood, regardless of human behavior. Uh, that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to continue your life no matter what you do. That's pretty good. The other one I, I like, which really hits the nail on the head, is Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 saying, uh, that God causes his sun to shine and his, his rain to fall on both the just and the unjust. Yes. He's not a distinguisher. He's not going to withhold blessings from people because of their behavior. Unconditional love. We get that, we get the, those truths supported by reports from persons who have had near-death experience. They were in God's love Starting from their uh, life review, they weren't condemned. They felt completely accepted uh, and loved. And when they entered into the light or the love, they had such a wonderful feeling of love that cannot be expressed with earthly words. So all of that is supported by near-death experience reports. Mm. How about the... um uh, passage that describe Jesus describes separating the sheep from the goats in the Bible. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. It doesn't fit. Uh, the way I use that most is regarding beliefs. A lot of churches uh, and people, Christians, uh, demand that unless you believe a certain way, you're never going to get to heaven. But according to this passage, beliefs have little to do with it. It's your actions that have a lot to do with it. Exactly and right. near-death experience right. reports do support that our actions uh, do result in consequences, not only on Earth, but else, elsewhere. I was just uh, reading uh, Edgar Cayce yesterday, and he, he, he said this. At death, you experience or enter into what you have done with spiritual truth while on earth. Those were my words of what he said. Mm-hmm. But, but this is true of near-death experiencers. You know, of all of us, we create the future that we're going to enjoy when we transition into spirit. If we have filled our lives with love and light, we're going to wind up in a place of love and light. But we did it to ourselves. The words of Jesus in that passage of separating the sheep and the goats uh, put the initiative on Jesus to separate. And uh, I see the initiative being our own, our own free will, what we choose. In the uh, stories that you've heard from, uh, I imagine you've heard quite a few in your hospice work of not only uh, NDEs, but also spiritually transformative experiences or uh, 
visitations from the other side of a family member who's come to take a person home or that sort of thing. Um, do, um, do you then take those stories and talk to other people about them? This is, was my practice in the hospital for many years. Well, preserving confidentiality. I do tell is, uh, the essence of the story to people when they, if I feel they need to hear it. Yeah. Um, and that helps them. That helps the client who is in hospice care to consider that their life is not going to be over, but their physical life is going to end, but their life beyond the physical is going to be enhanced. And stories like this, after-death communication stories, support that. The second thing I, I like to point out from these stories is that we're not going to be separated from our loved ones when our physical body dies. A lot of that's where most people are. They fear that they're going to leave loved ones and their relationships will end. But after death communications teach us that loving relationships endure forever. And people watch over us and they often are able to communicate with us even though their physical bodies have died. Yes. Number two in your five essential awarenesses was we are a part of God. Uh, do you think when we go back at some point, do we merge into the light and lose our individuality, or do we always maintain our uh, our apartness even even once we've uh, gone into the light? The report I remember is that someone entered the light, emerged with the light. He knew he was part of the oneness of all that is, but he also maintained his own identity. So he was aware of both. Mm. And uh, I think you mentioned that uh, 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 an NDE or Scott Hobbs said that we were fractals of God. I love that image. Yes. That <laughs> and um, a fractal, of course, I understand is a mathematical term. And mm -hmm. it means a smaller portion of a larger whole maintains or contains all the elements of the larger whole within itself. And that's what we are. Regarding God, God created us in God's own image. Mm -hmm. uh, Rosemary Thornton had a near-death ex experience, and shortly after her physical body died, she sensed a being next to her. And in a whimsical way, she said, and who are you? And the being said, you are the likeness image. I am the original. I love that. Wow. Because it shared our relationship with God. Yes. And as Scott Hobbs also said, which is uh, to this point, we are like an eyedropper that has been dipped into the ocean to, to draw out some of the salt water. And at essence, we are exactly the same as God, only on a smaller scale. And we consciously, we, we don't seem to be consciously connected with the source while we're in our physical body. But at the end, we are squirted back into the ocean. So we merge again with the oneness of all that is. Your number three was our energy affects our surroundings. We are creative beings. Our power is proportionate to our creator. What, what do you mean by that? Whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we think, whatever energy we generate creates uh, an effect. 
whether positive or negative. So we're cautioned to always monitor our thoughts. There was a fellow named Doskalis, and uh, I think it was an archbishop in Crete, who said we we give off elementals like little like little spirits, you know, by what we say and what we do, and they can either be good elementals or bad elementals, but they're they're like a little beings that go off into into space and affect other things. I was looking over some of the Edgar Casey material yesterday, and I found a, a dictionary, and the word criticize appeared on one page and this was his answer you cannot even think bad of another without it affecting thee in a manner of destructive nature that's like putting a curse on someone or uh, uh, almost uh, takes you back to voodoo rituals yes but we do this unconsciously we don't mm. we're not aware most people are not aware that their thoughts have such an effect right but uh, people do spend an awful lot of time going around, you know, in anger and hatred, and uh, you know, and I suppose a lot of the vibration that we just pick up in our day-to-day life is all of these various bad thoughts that people are having or fearful thoughts that they're having. I think we're there. Mm. I'm I'm looking at a word from the dictionary: disease. And this is what Casey said about it. This doesn't have to do with near-death experience, but it relates to the point. He sure. said disease is really unease or dis-ease that we have, and we don't balance it. We don't take care of it. We don't get rid of it. And it builds up in our body, and because it builds up in our body, it even affects the atoms in our body. Mm-hmm. And they rebel against what we receive normally as the blessings of God, and we become sick. We have an illness because it started with a disease, a dis-ease, that was not treated. The body is indeed the temple of the living God. What have you dragged into this temple, was the question. So, as you said, what we think about affects us as well as other people. Your number four was life goes on forever, and uh, I was wondering... You know, I I have heard many reports of um, recurring lifetimes of um, reincarnation, and uh, this, of course, is a seems to be a big problem for the mainline churches. So that tends to push <laughs> push near death experiencers who say, "Oh yes, I've I've lived many lifetimes," sort of out of their out of their grasp entirely. Yes, I've encountered that. Uh, at first, when I started talking about near-death experience in churches, I would not mention that because I didn't want to scuttle any opportunity to connect with people. I was mm-hmm. hoping they could connect to the truths of near-death experience that were similar to the Bible or the same as the Bible. But there are some that are different than the Bible. Um, uh, reincarnation is one. Another is that God sends us to hell or that God... Uh, damns or condemns. God doesn't do all that. God is love. I like what Neil Donald Walsh wrote in Conversations with God is that our heritage from God is complete freedom and unlimited potential. So as we make those good choices, we increase in our maturity as God created God's children 
in God's likeness. So we grow up into godliness or godness. And I think it's important that people recognize that freedom is available to them because an awful lot of people just feel draw, you know, dragged down and condemned and that it's totally out of their control. And it's not. Um, the circumstances can be horrible, but that, uh, that essential freedom is, is still there. And if people will use their freedom and project an image of themselves in the future, simple expectation, I expect wonderful things to happen today. You're creating that for yourself. Yeah. And so that will happen because the universe will answer. We are beings created in God's image or in God's likeness. God's the creator. And we have that proportionate creative ability. All we have to do is use it. Yeah. And your final suggestion of, of, in this breakdown of the five essential awarenesses is the overall goal of experience is to refine our souls in the capacity to love unconditionally. How big a struggle is that? Is that, is that sort of a, an epiphany that, uh, is that the Holy Spirit touching us like flames of uh, fire? Or is it something that we can get to gradually over time? I think it's a struggle that we face every day. It's how do I cope with uh, the, the misbehavior of my grandchildren? Mm. How do I, do I, how do I let that affect me? And what do I say to them? When I'm frustrated with them, am I able to be loving or accepting or what's more, what's, how do I cope with that? That's a problem I deal with every day. And everybody deals with their daily problems just as I deal with mine. And in the end, we're going to find that we're most content if we accept that God is with us and we belong to God. And God will guide us. We just be open to God's spirit and rest in God. I liked your quote from George Ritchie. He said, when George Ritchie died, he met Jesus and Jesus asked him, how have you loved? And that's really, if that's, that's the key question, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's the only thing that matters. When we have our near death, when we have our life review and when we're going beyond and planning another lifetime. We're going to plan a way that we can refine the way that we are able to love. Do you think that chaplains are more open to this than uh, your traditional pastors and ministers and rabbis? Oh, yes, I feel much freer as a chaplain. I don't have to satisfy any denominational requirements uh, for beliefs. I can uh, receive freely and give freely from what I feel is true in my heart. I've, I always felt the same way and uh, loved chaplaincy work. Uh, was not so so happy behind the pulpit in those times when I was, was there. Uh, but, um, of course, chaplains also have the um, benefit of being, I would say, 90% listeners hmm. rather than uh, preachers. And so... Um, that uh, that's very freeing too, and and so informative when you can pause long enough to get the other person's perspective on things. I have an opportunity to speak in pulpits every once in a while when our local pastors go on vacation for a week or so, and uh -huh. I have talked about near death experience in the sermons that I have presented, and it's been well received in some of the churches around here. Well, even one church even was able to uh, 
host a near-death experience workshop on one Saturday morning. And we sent out a notice to all the churches through the um, Commission on Education of uh, the Eastern Virginia Association of the United Church of Christ. And the room was filled with people. We had a good time. And I presented three near-death experiencers who told their stories. And so we uh, informed a lot of people on that day. It uh, It's very powerful. I uh, The last time I was... Um out in Sedona, I uh, encountered a church. I think it's Summit Life was the name of it, an independent church where the the pastor decided to do this. One, I think he began on an Easter Sunday, and for five for five weekends, he had uh, preached about uh, and told uh, stories from near death experiencers. And he found as it was going on that people in the congregation were suddenly getting up and saying, I had an experience like that, you know, or they'd come to him after the service and say that. And then they'd talk, they would volunteer to talk to the rest of the congregation about it during the next Sunday service. It was a powerful, powerful thing, but it's about the only uh, example I have, and I have mentioned on the show before, that this sort of thing can go on and, and, and brings the, best out of the congregation brings this personal mystical experience to the fore and makes everyone aware that it's a it's a real possibility uh dick we are out of time for today unfortunately and i want to thank you so much for coming on um of course as a because we've shared the same experiences it's very affirming to me to to hear what you have to say because uh, we're one mind about where things should go but thank you very much thank you lee and for listeners who'd like to hear this show again or any of our past shows, just go to uh, nderadio.org and hit the past shows button. And uh, be with us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>